In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. We've talked so much about shortstops. And uh, it's been so fun, Ed. And I think that, and you're going to have to remind me, you were far closer than I was in terms of landing spots in the big four. How many did you get right? I got three out of four. Oh, good for you. Three out of four, but I missed missed the one that I personally cared the most. Oh. (laughs) But I was, you know, Turner Turner went to the Phillies and Korea. Oh, wait, no, I got, I only was, I was two. I think I was two and four. I wasn't three and four. I was going to say, did you, you, had, you had Correa going yeah, to the Giants? I had no. I, I didn't have Cor- I didn't have Correa to the, the Giants. No, but okay. I had. Um, I was thinking of Verlander for some reason, who is is not a shortstop. But no, but I had it about Swanson and the Cubs, uh, and I had it about Turner and the Phillies. So I was off about okay. the Padres, and I was off about Correa and the Giants. But, okay, um, I mean that's you know, pretty good. That's four, still are, pretty good. Yeah. We knew. I think that. 500 batting average is solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Your OPS is off the chart. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, I think that we knew, we knew the Phillies were going to sign someone, right? We knew the Phillies were going to sign someone. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it was, it, it, I don't think anyone could have fully predicted. I think we thought that the Red Sox would sign somebody, which obviously at this point they haven't. Well, well they aren't. I mean, they aren't going to sign one of the big yeah. four. We thought the Cubs were going to sign someone, but there was still like there was that sort of murmuring of, well, the Cubs are all are they talk or are they actually going to act? And um, and are they going to get into the deep end when it comes to these guys? They got in the deep end, the, the shallowest end of the deep end with Dansby Swanson. But still, I mean, that was, you know, that was a notable thing. Um, so. It, the, the Padres and the Giants are the two that I, I mean. I think that you and I can agree that at the beginning, at the outset, we're like, oh, I mean, I don't think that they desperately needed a shortstop, either one of them. I mean, you're yeah. looking at you're moving off of uh, you know, in the Giants, you're moving a guy over to third base, right? Or yeah, third base, Crawford, and then um, and with the Padres, you already had like four shortstops. So so I I'm trying to make us look better. Right, <laughs> make us look more sane. Um, so, uh, Dansby Swanson goes to the Cubs. That's the most recent one, and that leaves us with two intriguing guys. Not guys who are going to stick in the middle of the order like these other guys. Not guys who are going to put on the cover of the media guide unless your team really, really sucks. Um, so, but guys who can be useful. I mean, Jose Iglesias and Elvis Andrews, and Elvis Andrews. Really revitalize his value by going to the White Sox at the end of the year, um, and and Iglesias revitalized his value to really dating back to when he spent that final month with the Red Sox and then goes to Colorado and has a pretty good year. 
So, yeah, talk a little bit about those two guys um, because they're still useful guys, but they're sort of along the lines of the rest of the guys we're going to see come off the board, right? Everyone's going to be yeah. like, oh, that's good. That's nice. I mean, it's not, it's not yeah. going to sell It's not going to sell a single ticket, you know? Yeah. But yeah. still, what do you think? No, the drop-off from the upper echelon is, and the next group of guys in this free agency class in general is pretty dramatic, and shortstop there's no group that it's any like it's it's pretty jarring where you go from Dansby Swanson to Jose Iglesias and that's not to say either of these guys are bad Iglesias I feel like has almost been criminally underrated his entire career he's a guy who came up with the Red Sox as a defense defense first kind of like um I don't know if this uh this, he's kind, kind of almost like a poor man's, impoverished man's Omar Vizquel, just um, just very good defensively. Like you said, you yeah. went from poor man to impoverished man. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree with that. I mean, it's, yeah. and, and, and by the way, you know, it was his career was, everyone thought was falling off a cliff when he was with the Angels. Yep. And everyone, you know, would be when he was required by the Red Sox for that last month. Believe me, everyone was jumping in saying, oh, my goodness, look at his defensive run saved. It's terrible. Everyone said this guy's defensively. He's not even good defensively anymore. And then then I think the Red Sox got a different version of him. And then I think the Rockies got a different version of him. And then, by the way, out of nowhere, the guys started learning to hit a little bit. So there you go. The bat's always been better than I think people give him credit for. Um, he's never going to be a huge home run hitter or anything like that. But, you know, you can get to it. If, if, if anytime he hits 275, 280, 30 doubles, 7 to 12 home runs, it's kind of, kind of with, you know, like if, that, if you told me that was going to be a stat line next year, I'd say, yeah, no, that sounds about right. Um, so he'll get, he'll give you productive at bats. In a lot of ways, he's kind of like a shortstop version of Christian uh, Vasquez. Is and who who came up at a similar time to him, similar organization, a defense first guy who figured the bat out the more at bats that they got, which sometimes happens with these uh, defensive guys. Remind um, me, it, I can look this up, but I choose to ask you instead. Yeah, um, his strikeout rate. Oh God, I don't know off the top of my okay. Head so the reason I ask because my having seen him play as much as I have, I like I. I view him, I remember, he used to be the master of the infield single. I mean, he's like, his, it was like his average was insane when he first came up. And it was all because of like these bleeders, like these these balls that like barely hit the bat and would die in front of the third baseman. But it, to me, he you know, he's sort of a contact type E hitter. I should look, as you talk next, I'll look this up so I don't look like an idiot. But it, it is interesting. I just did... um uh, another uh, podcast with a Red Sox executive about Yoshida, who they just signed. And they were, and he was talking about like one of the things they love about him is his, his bat to ball skills and his inability to swing and miss and to control the strike zone, which I think, and when he's saying this, I remember like watching the World Series. This is what the Astros did. And I think that the contact skills for hitters are going to be more valued than ever. Because the stuff for pitchers have become so insane. It's it's not you just can't swing as met. You can't just go up there wailing. And the Astros show how valuable that is. And 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 I think it's gonna help with contact hitters with no shift. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sort of anxious to see how that plays out. 
Yeah, and I think that somebody like Iglesias really again, like like you said, with like the master of the infield hit. If you put on the bat, if you can put the bat on the ball, something might happen. You know, nothing's. But if you're just swinging and missing and everything, it's not. So, you know, that's um, something that definitely works in his favor. But I'd have to look up what his actual. Well, uh, I, I will. Is. Uh, I will do that for you. But why? Why I looked this up? Tell me a little bit about what your perception of Elvis Andrews is. Uh, my perception of Elvis Andrus is that he had a really good comeback season that sort of came out of nowhere. Um, he had signed a long-term deal with the Rangers that didn't really go so well at the end of it. Ended up on the A's, I think, and then got traded to the White Sox um, when Tim Anderson went down. And really was just able to put together a pretty solid season with, um, some, you know, I think he had 17 home runs, 32 doubles, played solid enough defense. When everything was said and done, he had a 3.0 war. Um can, so, can I stop you real quick because yeah. because I, I don't want to look at this anymore. Yeah. Um, and I want to update. So I looked up Iglesias. First of all, not as old as I thought. Yep. You know, like 30, was he? He 32, 32 yep. as we sit here. And so in 467 plate appearances, he struck out uh, fi- uh, 56 times. So that's not bad. You know, that's pretty not, good. I would yeah, say. that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's. So he doesn't strike out a bunch. Um, I, I like, you know, like before you go on about Andrews, you know, yeah. I, I just think the Glacius might be this guy who sort of has, as sort as he's gotten a little older, he's figured it out because Ed, I was around when he got first called up and the perception in, you know, when they traded, made that trade for Jake Peavy, the perception was a little big for his britches, you know, not a bad guy, but a little big for his britches, you know, and, and then a little flashy, obviously went to Detroit and, and, uh, again, not a bad guy, but I think and once he got back to Boston, there was definitely a, a maturity that they hadn't seen when he left, um, eight years before. And, and I, I, I having that age and just sort of seeing his production and I don't think he's going to hit like he did in Colorado, but it's not a bad, it's not a, yeah, exactly. It's not a bad guy to have, but you know, same thing. I guess all these things I'm saying, the same thing could be said about Elvis Andrews too, right? Yeah, yeah. Players just, you know, he's not anybody to write home about, but he's somebody that will play you solid shortstop for 150 games a year, will we'll make all the plays he has to, maybe a few that he shouldn't, will not lead your team in any offensive categories, and if he does, your team's probably in trouble, but he's not going to hurt you a ton either. So he's a use solid but not spectacular is mm-hmm. how I would describe uh, Andrus. And, and and also the guy that we talk about revitalizing himself, and when the White Sox picked him up, it was uh, you know it was out of desperation because of Tim Anderson, yeah. and 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 he he along with this two guys on that team who really who really like made the most of their opportunity in an otherwise sort of sad trombone of a year, which was Johnny Cueto and and Elvis Andrews, both of them. Yeah, hey, you're gonna gonna give me the chance. I'm gonna take advantage of it. and and both guys went a long, long way to keeping them in as long as they did, which is saying something. Because, I don't. I, again, I think that the Elvish Andrews thing was a little bit of desperation at that time, but yep. it really worked out for him. Yeah, and with Cueto, I don't think he even made it up to the team until May. I think they signed him pretty late yep. in spring training. So it just goes to show that you don't know where your team is going to be turning to come June 1st. It is really amazing. He, he was, you know – and he he's another guy as, as I wouldn't mind signing him, and maybe he has figured out. Do, are you going to count him for thirty starts? Probably not. 
But still, you just look. Every time he pitched, you're waiting for him to fall off the cliff, and he just never did. Like almost every every outing was a good out. He was in that rotation, in that White Sox rotation that was supposed to be so loaded, including but when they started off the year with Dallas Keiko, who you yeah. know wasn't Dallas Keiko, but everyone thought he oh, okay, he's, he can be okay. He was a disaster. He got cut. Um, you had Kopech hurt all the time. You had Lance Lynn getting off to a really slow start. And starting uh, hurt. Yeah. It's Gio- the first half of the year, yeah. Right. And Giolito wasn't Giolito, you know, like what he said. Cease was obviously awesome. Cease was great, yeah. Yeah, Cease was awesome. <laughs> but really, like, their one-two in terms of production was was uh, Cease and Cueto. And, you know, that was – I don't think anyone saw that coming. But yeah. No, no. But, it's it, you know, it's interesting with players like that who, when they're younger – they can rely on their on their fastball, their velocity, just being able to overpower players. And then they get older and they lose a little bit of that. And they have to really it's like I talk about this a lot, but it's the difference between a pitcher and a thrower. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that you see like CC Sabathia was another guy who went from being a thrower to being a pitcher and was able to really be useful for the Yankees towards the end of his career. Um, but these are guys that just they figure out how to rely more on their knowledge of pitching, their location. And it seems like Cueto is somebody that's managed to do that. And so he's gotten older. What's interesting is that I've talked to Rich Hill about this. And, and you know, you have guys like him, like Cueto, like all these other guys, exactly what you're talking about. And the ironic thing is if those guys are coming up, they're not even given the chance. And, yeah. and I, it, it, like I've said this to Rich, hey, if you go to a high school trial, if you go to a showcase – they're not even touching you. I mean, maybe. I mean, but you're throwing, eight, you know, 87, 88. Usually they're saying you have to throw into the 90. You have to throw. And, you know, it'll be really helpful if you threw 95 like everybody else. Like, that's the standard. And so it, it, there's you can only get to the acceptance of doing that by having, like, a 10-year career and, like, okay, you're going to have to trust me. I'm going to figure this out. It, it is – I am really, really intrigued. I'll come back to it about how the new rules, the shift thing is going to impact contact hitters and going to impact the way that pitchers are viewed, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, I don't think anyone knows. I think everyone's guessing right now, but, you know, and, and I think everyone's guessing when it comes to the free agent stuff too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, some of it also, I think their defense could be more important with the way the stolen bases are going to be now, too, because you having an effective shortstop that can block the bag might, you know, that might be something the teams are looking at also. Well, how about how about having a second baseman that has to have the athleticism all of a sudden? You know, you can't put Mike Moustakis in short field. You can't put Travis Shaw in short field. You can't do that anymore, where... You you could move a guy over to second base, and he would have to move ten feet to to his right and ten feet to his left. You know, ten feet into the outfield, but you can't do that anymore. You have to have a a a, a very athletic second baseman, which is interesting because you know the the second basemen aren't getting paid. You know, it, they aren't at all, right? I mean, it's it's who's who's getting paid at all. Yeah, it's the shortstops and second base is almost like it's almost treated like, oh, well, I can just stick a utility guy here and for the season and he'll be fine. 
So it's going to be, or like you said, one of these guys, it's kind of like a first baseman, but maybe a little more athletic than one of them. And they put them there. So and maybe, it's going to be yeah, very interesting how this. Yeah. Affects and it. maybe, maybe it's like the, the, the paranoia, of, like you said, you have to have the shortstop do more of everything. You have to have them move all around. I don't know. I don't mean, and again, we're all guessing this stuff. So which one would you, uh, which one would you would GM Ed sign up? Uh, GM Ed signs Jose Iglesias because Iglesias, yeah, I do go. I think that um, Andres has a higher ceiling and a better pedigree, mm-hmm. but Iglesias has done what he's done and been steady for quite a while. Um, and I just think that he's more, he's not going to cost as much and he's more likely to, he has the higher floor. He's more likely to, uh, to be a positive. 